We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. Episode number 45 of Lion Legacy and Ross, even though Penn State football has concluded for the season, you, my friend, are one happy camper, right? Yeah, go birds. As we're recording, Eagles coming up here in the NFC Championship game on Sunday. I was at the game against the Giants, so that was fun. It was nice to be there. It was pretty raucous of an atmosphere. Those Eagles I'd actually, fans, huh? I'd, yeah, I'd actually never been to an Eagles playoff game before, so that was... But I'm going to I'm gonna give you my struggle is real, a gripe here, Jared, and this is really not a big deal in the grand scheme of world issues, but as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, it pains me that some great Penn State football players end up on the NFC East rivals. I could never root for Sean Lee. Could ne- I can't root for Micah Parsons. I can't root for Saquon. I love Saquon. I can't root for him. Jahan Dotson. I'm sure I'm missing some others here, but yeah, that's a know, pretty, pretty big list right there. There's 28 other NFL teams <laughs> and they, the, those guys had to go to the giants, the Cowboys and the commanders. I was almost going to use their old name. I mean, it's like I, uh, Saquon, come on. Can't root well, for him. you took Saquon off. Now you've got playing the 49ers next. You got Robbie Gould, yep. right? Who, yeah. Who's a Penn Stater from when we were there? That's which right. Is yeah. Crazy. He's got what? At least a, we got Miles Sanders on the Eagles. Got Miles Sanders. Yeah. yeah. Robbie Gould's got what? A twenty-year career. Twenty-nineteen-year. Hasn't, hasn't been that long, but it's been a while. It's it has to be eighteen or nineteen years. Yeah. He yeah. graduated, I think, in two thousand four, two thousand five-ish. Right. Yeah. So he's a journeyman, right? Did you ever hear the story about Robbie Gould? How I'm pretty sure it was Robbie Gould. I hope I don't misspeak with this. So he was undrafted. And yes. you know how NFL teams bring on a they'll bring on like an extra kicker, even though they don't need one. So he goes to training camp at the Patriots. I heard the story. Adam Vinatieri was there. And so, OK, so he has a full training camp and a preseason with Adam Vinatieri. So that's what's that month and a half, six weeks of practice with like arguably one of the greatest kickers in NFL history. And like he learns all these tips and tricks. And I guess he bopped around for a little bit, ended up having quite a solid NFL career. So good for him. All thanks to Adam, because where was Adam when he was at Penn State, right? That's right. It would have been a different story, I think. We would have made a few more kicks, right? Yeah, exactly. uh, Exactly. Good good to see Robbie continue to have success. Hopefully, I'm with you. Go Birds. Hopefully, you guys take care of Robbie and the 49ers this weekend. Sticking on the theme of sports, though, we've got a great episode this week, as always. Yeah, so we spoke with John Gross. John is a professional sports broadcaster. He works as a as a freelancer down in North Carolina, working on college sports for various colleges down there in the Carolinas. He's just graduated a few years ago. So he's got a, a couple of great years under his belt, and he'll tell us about what he's done. And it was a lot of fun. This guy, he's sharp as a tack, Jared. Just smooth. We're here fumbling around. We are the farthest thing from professional broadcasters in any way this guy does it for he is legit no ums no likes no you knows i say the time it's terrible you know you know you know you know but john was awesome we really had a nice fun conversation with him for those of us that that kind of enjoy the behind the scenes on sports broadcasting broadcasters 
and the like and the process and everything else that goes behind it. You'll have a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, I agree. Just a huge fan. I'm rooting for this guy. He's early, early on in his career. And uh, I feel good about where he's going to go for sure. Also want to give a shout out to a future Penn State graduate, future broadcaster as well, Dylan Price, who has his own podcast, Ambitious with Dylan Price. He reached out to us a number of months ago, had a pleasure of chatting with him. Big fan of what he's doing. Really excited to see the talent coming out of Penn State as it relates to sports broadcasting. And I have a feeling we'll be hearing more and more Penn Staters call games, whether that be TV, radio, streaming, podcasts. Excellent. So put your headset on, get your uh, get your broadcast ready. We're going to go uh, hear the play-by-play as presented by John Gross. All right. Let's welcome John Gross, a 2019 graduate degrees in broadcast journalism and international politics with a certificate from the John Curley Center for Sports Journalism. John, a second-generation Penn Stater, is off to a fast start in his career, having done play-by-play broadcasting, get this, Ross, for baseball, basketball, football, gymnastics, hockey, lacrosse, soccer, softball, volleyball, and wrestling, if you're keeping count, that's 10, on the collegiate and professional levels. Based in the Carolinas, he claims he is an Asian food addict and can also rival Ross with his geography (laughs) skills. He was actually the middle school geography league champion. I think we learned last week. Ross, you had a great stint as well. John, this is going to be a fun conversation. Great to have you on Lion Legacy. Thank you guys for having me. I've enjoyed listening to previous episodes and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. All right, John. So before we dive in, Jared says you're an Asian food addict. So what's your favorite Asian dish? And uh, do you have a favorite restaurant somewhere? If I had to pick one specific dish, it would be the Beyond Noodles from Xi'an Famous Foods in New York City. Xi'an is a region of China, and it's where the Terracotta Warriors are located. Most people haven't heard of food from that region, and it's very difficult to find that type of food in the U.S., but that is my favorite kind of food. Beyond Noodles, B-I-A-N-G, B-I-A-N-G Noodles. Where is that? In, is that in Chinatown or somewhere else? They actually have a few locations. They do have a location in yeah. Chinatown. There are about five or six of them around New York City. Funny enough, there is a Xi'an restaurant in State College, Xi'an Grill, which is located huh. near the frozen yogurt place downtown and college. And they have the noodles as well. But Beyond Noodles, my favorite, no doubt. I'm going to have to go check it out. I'm New York City based, so I'm going to go and I'm going to say John Gross. Yeah. Is it spicy <laughs> or no? Oh, yes. Spicy. I love spice. I need spice in okay. all of my food. Uh, that's right. out for Ross. Ross is not. Yeah, a spicy no, I can't do spice. Uh, you know, it's just I, I, yeah. You know, I, I was actually going to I was actually going to come out with trivia, geography, trivia question, but I forgot. I was going to test the two of you because <laughs> you both claim that you're geography masters. Maybe later if we have time. All right. So John, let's get to it. So we're going to, we're going to touch on your Penn State experience later on, but you're a few years out from your graduation. So let's pick it up after you graduated in 2019 and walk us through the various stops you've had in the last few. Right. So I graduated from Penn State in May of 2019. And about a month or so after that, I worked for a baseball team in upstate New York called the Saugerty Stallions. I worked there. That was my second or third summer there. In total, I was there for 
uh, four summers, three seasons, because one season was canceled. That was a collegiate summer baseball team in New York. In August of 2019, a few months after graduating, I packed up and moved to a place called Pembroke, North Carolina, which is in the middle of nowhere. And I worked at a, a school, a Division II college called UNC Pembroke. I loved it. It was a big adjustment for me because I'm from northern New Jersey, near New York City, went to Penn State, 45,000 students. And here I was moving to some small town of a couple thousand people in rural North Carolina. But I loved my time there, learned a lot as a broadcaster, as a professional, as a person. The people there were just so nice. And I've met so many friends from my time at UNC Pembroke. And I was there for two years. And then in August of 2021, I moved a little bit west in North Carolina to Charlotte. And I became a freelance broadcaster. And since then, I've called games on ESPN Plus and ACC Network Extra at about a dozen D1 colleges in North and South Carolina doing the sports that you all mentioned earlier. And over the summers now, after moving on from baseball, I call professional soccer. So I know that you had Noah Pilato on. I call USL matches. Last summer, I called some NWSL as well. I know that you had some NWSL discussions on this show as well. So soccer has been what I've done over the summers. But currently, I'm based out of Charlotte, and I freelance at a bunch of different colleges and on a bunch of different networks. Are you TV only, TV and radio? Both. Mainly TV but I do some radio. So right now I'm serving as the radio voice for Gardner-Webb women's basketball. And the running Bulldogs are currently undefeated, first place in the Big South Conference. So nice. shout out to that squad. Great group over there. Hoping for an NCAA tournament appearance. But I do mainly TV sports. Talk about the differences between play-by-play -play for TV versus radio. Obviously, someone who's listening doesn't have the visual that you do. Right. On radio, your job is to describe everything that is happening. You have to paint a picture. On TV, you are simply captioning a picture. Now, I say simply, it's not that simple, but you are captioning the picture. That's the way that it's been described to me, and I think that's the best way to put it. Because like you said, radio, the listener can't see what's happening. On TV, the viewer can see everything that's happening, but it's your job to add to what they can see and make it worthwhile for them to listen to what you're saying because somebody watching a game can easily just mute the broadcast so you need to make it worthwhile and enjoyable and informative for them on tv makes sense and then what, one other thing you mentioned freelance so how are you getting these gigs are you contacting and saying hey here's my tape or here's what i can do yes i'm i am my own boss which has positives and negatives to it but I reached out to every D1 college within about a three-hour drive from Charlotte. And at first, I only heard back from maybe three or four of them. So I started working at those places. And then from there, I branched out once I had some of those schools on my resume, got in with some more schools. For example, I was doing work at Duke. And then UNC needed somebody to do women's gymnastics. I got a text the day of the women's gymnastics <laughs> quad meet. I did not know anything about women's gymnastics. I still don't How do you know a ton. For that? Well, it, it was difficult. I had a few hours to learn the sport, to learn as much as I could about the student athletes. I was fortunate in that my analyst for that broadcast was a former gymnast at UNC who was phenomenal. Funny enough, it was her first broadcast that she ever did. 
So we complimented each other. I was experienced in broadcasting, not in gymnastics. She was the opposite way. But yeah, going back to your question, I'm my own boss. So I have to reach out to all these places and then and hope that they hire me. And I have a website and that's the way that I do it. JohnGrossBroadcast.com is what I sent to them and hope that they see something that they like. That's great. I want to stay on this thing around the process and the preparation, right? Because I think most people minimize sometimes the complexities of probably being a sports broadcaster, right? Everyone thinks that they can do it, right? How hard is it? You watch, you talk about the sports, right? You tell everyone what's going on. I'm curious about your preparation in a normal situation, not the gymnastics example you gave. Walk us through the process and also separately, like it, how hard is it, right? When you're doing multiple sports, trying to learn the sport itself, the various teams, not only the team that you're broadcasting day by day, but also the opponent coming in. I'll walk through the first part of your question to start. The preparation is key. That's everything. If I were to go into a broadcast totally blind, I would sound awful. The broadcast would be atrocious. So you need to be prepared. I would say if I'm doing two teams for the time, right? So I don't have any spotting charts made for them. It takes me about two hours to prep for every hour that I'm on the broadcast. So what I do is I make spotting charts for each team. A spotting chart lists every player on the roster or at least everybody who might play. Because football, you won't list every one of the team. You'll list the two or three deep. I get all of my information about them, all of these statistics, storylines, I speak to both head coaches. Occasionally, I will speak to student athletes themselves. And I gather as much information as possible. Some broadcasts, I will coordinate with the producer ahead of time, with the analyst ahead of time. We'll develop some graphic ideas, some storyline ideas. But it is a process. And it's not like you can just, I mean, you can just show up to a game with rosters and stats, but that won't be an enjoyable broadcast. So a lot goes into it. That is for sure. And then the second part of your question, it's not easy. There are so many rules to these sports. Even I've watched basketball my entire life. I played basketball my entire life. There are new rules every single year in basketball. There are differences between men's college basketball and women's college basketball. So it is difficult to learn and make sure that you know everything there is to know about the sport itself because those situations do pop up that you are going to have to dig deep into your mind and say, okay, if they are outside of the restricted area, inside the restricted area, whatever it may be, when can an official review something? So there is a lot that goes into it. It's definitely more than just talking about what you see. What about, do you have added time when you're working with your partner, right? You've got your color commentator, right? Imagine you and that other person need to connect with somebody you haven't worked with before to make sure you're both on the same page. Yes. So that will be a phone call or text messages in the days leading up to a broadcast. Or a lot of times I get to games about two hours early. So that two hours gives us myself and the analyst time to connect. And a lot of times we won't even talk about the game that we're doing. We'll just chat because we want to sound as natural as possible on air. Like we've known each other for 25 years. So we'll talk about life. Hey, where are you from? What do you like to do? What's your favorite kind of food? That kind of stuff. And of course, we'll talk about the game as well. But so much of developing that relationship with your analyst is just about making sure that 
you sound natural on air. I think one of the toughest things, and certainly I've never done it, we just mess around here, Ross, on this podcast, but if you had a director in your ear and oh, they're yeah. they're talking to you and you're talk you're yeah. also talking at the same time i think i'd be like wait what what did you say hold on don't discount that that is <laughs> difficult so go ahead how long did it take you to get used to that it took me a while and just to go to penn state for a second at penn state i was involved predominantly with radio i did the student radio station called com radio so radio is my background it wasn't until uh i guess in 2021 or 2020 yeah about a year and a half ago that i started to work with a producer or a director in my ears. It's difficult. And at first I really struggled, but you learn to block it out. And the best directors and producers, they know to mute themselves unless it's necessary. So the good ones aren't always in your ear the entire game, which is helpful. It's tough. It's tough. I bet. Hey, I want to go back real quick as well, because when you were giving your overview of the different stops, you mentioned, you know, the pandemic or you alluded to the pandemic. And you graduate in 2019, less than a year after graduating, Corona hits. How hard was it for you being a new professional in this field, sports shut down, not only one, just trying to make a living, but also I imagine mentally too. It was definitely tough. And I'll never forget the day in my eyes that uh, I realized this pandemic was very serious was when the NCAA tournament was called off. I was on the bus with the UNC Pembroke men's basketball team who year in and year out, they're one of the top teams in division two. We were headed to Tennessee for our NC tournament game and midway through the drive, we get the notification canceled, done. So we turn around our athletic trainer, shout out to Joey Timburo, awesome guy. He gave out masks and that was the first time that I saw people really wearing masks. So that was definitely a pivotal moment in that, but it was difficult. It, it did impact my work without a doubt. That summer, the co collegiate summer league baseball team that I worked for, their season was canceled. And uh, I was still working at UNC Pembroke and their fall sports were all pushed to the spring. So I stayed home for that summer. I, I door dashed just to make some money. And uh, my start time back at UNC Pembroke was delayed a bit, but I do want to say I'm super grateful for everybody at UNCP for keeping me on because so many people just full on lost their job. They were kind enough, generous enough to at least let me stay. And then when sports started back up in the spring, it was a bit more normal. And I, there was not really not any positives out of the pandemic, but if there was one semi bright spot. It's that it did open the door for me to get in with some of these D1 schools. Remember, the fall sports were pushed to the spring. So you had these schools who needed broadcasters because there was so much overlap. So that's how I got in sure. initially with Davidson and Winthrop. And I drove two and a half hours to do those games and uh, because they needed people. And my boss at UNC Pembroke, Todd Anderson, was great in letting me go out and freelance. And that's what started my freelance journey. But yeah, it was tough, like it was for everybody. It was a difficult time in the sports industry, which is an industry that I think most people felt could never be stopped, came to a screeching halt. I'm going to go back a little further, John. Was broadcasting something that you always wanted to get into? And you, like, Is there a moment in your childhood where you, you know, there are like tapes somewhere with you doing the play-by-play -play on some recorded game or something like that? I don't think there are tapes, but... I will say that I guess my first broadcasting experience was on NCAA football 2006. 
Okay, I don't know if either of you had that game, but NCAA football is my favorite video game. And it was the first game I ever had. I would turn the sound off on that and do play-by-play. And uh, I guess that was my first on-air experience, quote-unquote. As you were but playing always, the game, you mean? As I was playing the game. I would play the game, okay. turn the sound yeah. off, and just start announcing. So I'd be sitting in the basement, and like my family <laughs> would hear me announcing games, whatever, probably thinking I was crazy. But uh, but that's what I would do. <laughs> but I've always loved sports from a very early age. My, my dad really got me into it. We would go to New Jersey Nets games. I'll never forget my first NBA game, 2001 preseason against the Suns. And for those NBA fans out there, you all remember, that was a very good era for New Jersey Nets basketball. So that was my first love. And I also love Penn State football because my dad went to Penn State. We'd go to games I really since birth, since before birth, actually. But that's how I got into sports. And I played sports as well. But the broadcasting, I guess, technically started with NCAA football. And then I started a podcast in high school with some friends. And that's when I realized I wanted to do it for a career. Cool. Love it. So we're going to go back to another topic we touched on a moment ago regarding the broadcasting commentary crew. So you mentioned your interaction and your preparation of working with your analyst partner. You also touched upon your, I guess, your producer, right? But like when you put it all together, right, between camera, analyst, play-by-play, a producer, you know, else it's in the truck, so to speak. What makes a good crew? Like how does that, how do, how does that all come together? That is a phenomenal question. And I think the biggest thing that people need to know about these large-scale broadcasts is that the real stars are the crew, are the people behind the scenes. They make the magic happen. It's a lot easier just to talk about what's going on than to coordinate everything that they're doing. Such an important part about it is communication. Like you said, they're in our ears. They're talking to the camera operators, replay. Everybody has to be on the same page because it's like an orchestra. You have so many different pieces playing at one time. You want it to sound great. So that's, to me, the biggest thing that uh, about putting together a quality show is just making sure everybody is on the same page and working as a team. I've noticed recently or the last couple of years, right, you've got these alternative, newer broadcasts. Manning cast comes mm-hmm. to mind. Do you ever find yourself going in the, I would say, the less traditional path and listening and seeing how they commentate from their perspective? I absolutely do. I love the Manning cast. In fact, I'm not a big NFL guy at all. I've always been a college football fan, but I will watch the Manning cast because they are so enjoyable to listen to. And anytime I watch any game, I'm listening to the broadcasters to hear, okay, what do I like? What don't I like? What can I take from them? And it's no different with the Manning cast. They are so relatable. They make everything so palatable. Even though they they have no football at such a high level, they break it down very well, and th- they make it a joy to listen to them. So I, I do watch that. I also love the, I don't think they had it this year, but there was the coaches circle or coaches show for the college football national championship. They used to do that. I loved that. Sure. I would get an inside X's and O's look from some of the brightest minds in the sport. So yes, I do watch some of those shows, and I enjoy them, and I think... We will see more and more of them as as the years go on. Ross, do you tune in to some of the alternative broadcasts? 
sometimes sometimes i forget honestly like i'll remember <laughs> on a monday oh i want to turn on monday night football and then it'll be like the fourth quarter and i'll forget that the man I, I i do enjoy them even though i just have a disdain for eli manning being an eagles fan but that's not neither here nor there <laughs> no they're entertaining i think it's cool i love the fact that they get the, these all these guests on and, and they're just like you said john they're having fun they're breaking it down if you're a football nerd like we all are you just love to get in the mind and like they're just on a whole other level of what they know about the sport. And I think we, when as football fans get a chance to learn something new where we, we just eat it up. Just Absolutely. keeping on with the Manning cast. It's crazy though. The amount of money though, that's being thrown around right in, in, in the broadcasting realm, especially in the NFL, the Tony Romo's of the world, right? You're like, yep. Whoa. Yeah, Tom Brady. I'd love to get some of that money. Wouldn't we all? Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's <laughs> an interesting uh, point, though. Again, not to go off on a tangent, you think about ESPN gave X to Buck and Aikman, and then meanwhile, they've got the Mannings doing their thing, and you only have one person can only watch one thing at one time, and it's the same network, right? And so it's interesting how they have these big names on TV at the same exact time, and they're splitting up their audience potentially. So we have a great partnership with the Daily Collegian, which I'm sure you you remember quite fondly. And every episode, we choose a yes. question from a student. This week, Jimmy Davies, a junior, wants to know if you had the opportunity to be paired with one color commentator in sports, who would you choose and why? That is a tough one. I would have to say Kirk Herbstreit, just because that's my dream job. And uh, college football is my favorite sport. So I would say Kirk, he's the best. So you would want to be essentially Chris Fowler in that instance? Yes, Chris Fowler. That is my dream job right there. Do college football, ABC, game of the week. Brett Musburger was one of my broadcasting idols and Fowler as well. So that's that's it. I would say Kirk. But there are so many awesome options. Part of me wanted to say Bill Walton just to see if I could handle it. <laughs> see, he is so crazy with his calls, but I enjoy checking out his games. Who else do you like to listen to? I'm curious, like current, past, when this person is broadcasting a game, whether it's play-by-play -play or analyst, are you like excited that they've been assigned to that game? Yes, absolutely. There are a few. Number one being Ian Eagle, just growing up a Nets fan. He was the voice of my childhood TV for the NBA. And I'm thrilled that he's getting so many games nationally because I think he's probably the best TV broadcaster in, in, in basketball. Isn't um, his son? Other, sorry. Yes. Isn't his son? His son is a broadcaster as well, right? Yes. Noah Eagle. He's my age and he's absolutely phenomenal. He is so good at what he does. And he does the NFL. I believe he does some college games on CBS as well. Yes, Noah Eagle. I'd say in addition to Ian Eagle, obviously love Steve Jones. I know that he does the intro to your show. Yes. Love anytime <laughs> I hear his voice, it, it just makes me happy because it just reminds me of Penn State. So I love it. I'm lucky to now call Steve a mentor and a friend. I had the chance to That's take awesome. his class at Penn State. And he's such a, an awesome guy, learned a lot from him. And then Chris Carino, who was the Nets radio broadcaster, still is phenomenal radio voice. And then Chris Fowler and Brent Musburger, th those two I love as well. Jared, let me throw that question your way. Who do you like? I actually also am a big Chris Fowler fan. I think not only from college football, but he also does the tennis. And I'm a big tennis guy as well and seems to have an amazing job, right? You go to your the game of the week, right? And then you're at the Australian Open or the U.S. Open. 
I think he does a phenomenal job. I actually had a chance to meet him once or twice about 15 years ago. And also, I think once you meet someone, right, like, and they're a genuine and nice person, it makes you appreciate them even more. Yep. What about yourself? Oh, one, one uh, other thing. Sorry. One one other thing. Uh, yeah. Sam Rosen. I'm a big New York Rangers fan. And Sam Rosen Sam, oh, Sam. from the New York Rangers, who I won't say his age because I'm not too sure, but he's definitely in the 70s. And I've heard he does not want to stop. And I just appreciate the guy's passion. And when I think back, I'm thinking also to my childhood and hearing Sam's voice. And now at the age of 40, still hearing Sam's voice, I always think about watching hockey with my dad. Ross, I'll throw it to you though. I like it. See, I have this question quite often, or this conversation quite often, because my son is loves broadcasters. He like just gets a kick out of them. So I'll run through this quickly. So nationally, I, I'm a big fan of Kevin Harlan. Gus Johnson has always been a favorite of mine. I used to like back, this goes back a long way, Jared, but like when ESPN had hockey the first time around and Gary sure. Thorne yeah. did hockey, yeah. NHL. Gary Thorne was a good one. I know I'm missing one. Locally, for as a Philadelphia fan, of course, Merrill Reese. Harry Callis, let him rest in peace. And I also like um, Tom McCarthy, who does Phillies television. Nope. And we'll give a shout out to Kate Scott, because Kate Scott, as a female in broadcasting, was a, had big shoes to fill when she came and took over as the Sixer, 76ers television voice after Mark Zumoff retired. And people were not thrilled that they hired a female for the role, but I think she's crushed it over the last few years, and I'm a big fan of hers. Shout out Kate Scott. Yeah. Love it. All great answers. All great answers. Yeah. So now, John, we'll turn it around a little bit, flip this question on its side a little bit. If you had the chance to interview either an athlete or a coach, past or present, who would you choose? Who would you like to speak to one-on-one? -on -one? I'll go one athlete and one coach. Athlete, okay. there are a lot of people, but I would go with Jesse Owens. Wow. I think what he went through at the Olympics in Berlin, I would love to hear about that. And also how he was treated when he was when he returned to the U.S. Even though he should have been treated as a hero, he wasn't. I would say Jesse Owens because that's such a he's a, a legend. Would love to hear about that. And then for a coach, I think just growing up around Penn State and watching Penn State football, it would probably have to be Joe Paterno. So I would say those two. And since this is a Penn State podcast, we understand that you once interviewed Coach Franklin. Is that right? Yes, yes, that was a, all right. A, Tell a us crazy about that story. Yeah, crazy story. While I was in college, I interned for a Penn State sports production company that was created by two former Penn State football players, Quintus McDonald and Blair Thomas. It was called Nittany Sports Huddle. And we were at a marketing event on campus covering the event. And all of a sudden, Quintus says to me, John, you're going to go interview Coach Franklin. And I was a sophomore or a junior at this point. And I was so nervous. I had zero time to prepare, sat down. I probably was awful, but it was a really cool experience. And ever since then, I've never been afraid to do an interview because I figured if I could interview James Franklin, to totally petrified without any preparation, that I could interview anybody. So that was definitely a formative experience for me, but it was, it was very nerve wracking in the moment. All right. Well, no doubt you'll get that chance to interview him, though. Again, I'm very confident about your future. So I'm excited one day. About that. <laughs> Speaking of your future, you mentioned the dream job, Chris Fowler, ABC, college football. How do you get there? What's the best path? Like, how do you make that happen? Turn the dream into reality? What does it take in someone like your position? 
it's so difficult because there is not there there isn't a correct answer. Unlike most jobs where you just get promoted, VP, senior VP, president, so on and so forth. This is one where somebody can be calling games at the division three level, but if somebody from ESPN hears their broadcast and loves it, then boom, they get hired. Or you could work for 40, 50 years, never break through to the network level. So there's no one right way to do it. But I, th I think probably just the biggest way, at least what I'm going for, is just calling as many games as I possibly can, working hard, connecting with people, sending my stuff out, and hoping for a break. You hear, and I listen to a lot of interviews of broadcasters and follow their stories to try to game plan a bit and map out a semi-realistic path but they all use the l word luck that plays such a huge role in it and, and luck is crucial in all of it but at the end of the day it's hard work it's getting to know the right people doing as as well as you can and uh, hopefully becoming uh, talented enough to break through that's why i asked the question because i knew that there was actually no no path and it's to your point there's some luck involved right there's hard work involved and what do they say opportunity is when hard work and luck come together did i make did i get that right i think you got it right or yeah okay yes um, it sounds like you're you're definitely working hard and uh you know we'll we'll sprinkle a little luck in there and we'll see where you go one more quick thing to that as well penn state is, is an amazing place because the network is so vast in sports broadcasting, especially you have producers, some honor people as well, but a lot of people behind the scenes who are Penn Staters. And I've had, I've been fortunate to connect with a lot of them and they've helped me a lot. And same goes for further down the line in my career. I've no doubt that I'll continue to, to connect with Penn Staters and will excel because of that Penn State connection. You, you teed it up quite perfectly because we're going to actually transition to your experience at Penn State, put you in the Lions Den, brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride and reminisce about your time at Deer Old State. Remember to visit lions-pride.com to pick up the latest and greatest Rose Bowl champions gear. John, you hit on it a little bit earlier about your uh, some of the work you did while you were at Penn State. So uh, elaborate a little bit for us, some of the work that you did, the real world work that you did while you were in college that helped prepare you for, for the last couple of years when you've been out in the real world. I think there were a few things, mainly in broadcasting, but also non-broadcasting things that I did. In broadcasting, I got involved from day one with Com Radio, which is the student radio station at Penn State. And through that, was able to call a ton of Penn State athletic events, which was a dream come true without a doubt. Also got to do my own talk show. And speaking of my talk show, Lions Pride was a sponsor. They might still be a sponsor of Com Radio. And they had a jingle <laughs> that would play every other commercial. And I think I have the whole thing memorized to this day. It's iconic. So I love that this is sponsored by Lions Pride. But Com Radio was one of them. Through that, I also got the opportunity to be the radio voice of Penn State women's volleyball in 2017. So I traveled with them. That was unbelievable. And then just a bunch of other opportunities through Com Radio mainly. Got to do the Rose Bowl called the Senior Bowl. Traveled down to Alabama with the one and only Mike Porman, Penn State legend. And did some internships as well called State College Football and Basketball. Interned at a local TV station. Interned at a, a CBS in New York and worked for that baseball team as well over the summer I talked about before. Then outside of broadcasting, I was president of my fraternity which was super formative in just me being a leader and navigating difficult situations. So I'd say those things are the biggest. Then there are like 
two specific stories, I guess, that jump out. Number one was with women's volleyball. I think it was the first weekend that I was with them. We were going to West Virginia and there was a miscommunication with the timing of when I was supposed to get in the bus. And I ended up being a little bit late. And Russ Rose was the coach at the time. Mm -hmm. Russ is the man. I love Russ. I've never felt so just awful in my entire life than when I walked down that bus. I thought he was going to stare at me, maybe say something. He didn't even look at me. And honestly, that was worse. That, that was tough, but it, it taught me a lesson. Be early, be on time, be professional. That definitely taught me how to be a pro. And then the other one was with Mike Porman at the Senior Bowl in Alabama. He had coordinated interviews with the four Penn State players who were at the Senior Bowl, one of them being Marcus Allen. Now, I'm sure you guys remember against Pitt, he had the tackle for a safety. And there was that awesome picture of him standing over the Pitt yes. running back. I made that the background, the lock screen of my phone. So I'm interviewing him. My phone is off, but it's recording in the table. And all of a sudden, I get a Snapchat. And when I get a Snapchat, my screen would go on. So he looks down, and it's a picture of him on my phone. And I felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> and he just kind of was like, oh, cool. But you could tell he was a little weirded out. So that moment taught me, okay, John, if I'm going to be a broadcaster, I have to take my fandom completely out of it. So that was definitely it. Those were two specific lessons that really helped me as a, as a professional. That's great. Again, shout out to Mike Porman, who is, who is yes. just a legend. We had him on a couple episodes again, true champion of Penn State, true champion of students. And you can just see right here, right, the impact that Mike has had on you and countless others along the way as well. Yes, Mike is the best. So tough one. We asked a lot of tough questions, I feel like, to you. But the toughest one, I think, of them all, favorite Penn State memory. I have to go with two. Number one was Dancing in Thon. And then number two is the Ohio State game 2016. Hard, hard to beat those memories right yeah. there. I think, <laughs> Great right? answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Those were pretty special. And those are things that I'll uh, take with me for the rest of my life. How was it dancing in Thon? Obviously a highlight, but just I didn't dance in Thon. Ross didn't dance, but Ross's wife, Jessica, was a dancer as well. Just from your perspective, what was that like? It was amazing. It was so special to do that for such a great cause. I danced on behalf of my fraternity, and it was, I think it was the first time that we had dancers in a really long time, so that was even more special. But it, it was challenging, but you know what? It was, like I said, special to have the opportunity to help raise like over $10 million for pediatric cancer research. It was easily number one on my list of Penn State memories. That's awesome. Amazing. Love it. John, if you could go back and visit with yourself as an 18-year-old freshman, right? Kid from North Jersey. You probably were familiar with Penn State from your dad. But starting your own college career, if you could visit with yourself, what advice would you share? I think the biggest thing would be try to have a little bit more fun and be a little bit more relaxed. I was in many ways so caught up in, all right, what's next? I have a broadcast tomorrow. Let me prepare for that, which is all important. I'm glad that I did, but I think it's important to, to find that balance. College only happens once. And for me, I broadcast games now. I'm very lucky to do that, but... I also can't go and hang out in my friend's room and play some video games with them now. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. Other than that, I would say to do it all the same way. I remember seeing a t-shirt actually, somebody had it at Penn State. It said Penn State in the front and the back. It said, if I can go back in time 
and do it all over again, I would do it the exact same way that I did. It was butchering it, but something along those lines. And, uh, yep. and it's, it's so true. I feel the same way as well. I'm sure you do as Ross. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Along the advice lines, right? When you find out someone is considering Penn state, maybe in your hometown in New Jersey, what do you tell them? Why should they go to Penn state? First of all, I would say, do you have three hours to talk about this? It's tough to narrow it down to a few things, but the place itself is, it's a beautiful campus. There are so many opportunities. I think that's probably the biggest thing, whatever you want to study, whatever you want to do in life, there's a place for you at Penn state. And I think it was, I think it was a previous guest. I think it actually might've been Mike Porman in his episode where he said, whatever you want to do in life, that there is a Penn Stater doing that already. That's another great point. The alumni network is unparalleled. And man, who, who doesn't want to go to a school like Penn State that has so many opportunities? Uh, you'll have a lot of fun with the sporting events, a, a beautiful town in, in State College. It has everything that you need. And I, it's just the best. That's all I can say. Best place. Awesome. And then before we wrap it up, John, how do you feel most connected to the university today? I know you mentioned, I imagine you still stay connected with Mike and other alums. Can also you do any mentoring, anything like that? Yeah, I do through the College of Com. I have a mentee named Max Ralph who actually writes for the Daily Collegian. I try to visit as often as I can. This past fall was the first time in my life outside of the COVID season that I did not go to a Penn State football game at Penn State. So that was tough, but that's just kind of the nature of works. But I try to go as much as I can. I'm in touch with... Uh, with friends and fellow alums. I went to a Rose Bowl watch party with the Penn State Alumni Association in Charlotte. And I, like uh, we said before, I come from a Penn State family. My dad went to Penn State. The funny thing about that is he started at a small college in New Jersey, and then after two years, transferred to Penn State, but he has no idea why he picked Penn State. To this day, he has no idea why. <laughs> but I'm happy that he did. And now my brother just graduated from Penn State last year as well. So there you go. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Friends, alums, opportunities, and family. What's your brother doing now? My brother is the director of basketball operations for the Mammoth women's basketball team. He wow. was the head manager for the Lady Lions for his final three years there. He also worked for the team at his first year at Penn State. So he's also working in sports and he is absolutely crushing it. Fantastic. So you got to do have a sports family. Yes. Yes. This has been great. I got to say, first of all, thank you, because this is officially going to be the easiest podcast episode that I have to edit because you don't say, um, you don't say like, you don't say, I was like the whole time I was like, <laughs> how do you do it? Because we're fumbling over our words yeah. he, left and right, but you're just like a natural stream. Jared, he's a professional. Come on. I know. I'm trying to understand how he does it so we can learn a little bit. Yeah. We'll say this. When I started on Com Radio with my talk show, I would say uhs and ums. And then I vividly remember my mom saying to me, John, you always say um and uh, you have to stop that. And that was it. And you learn, but it's a lot of practice. Wow. I wish I could just turn it off like that but yeah i would seriously it's a true talent you're a true talent and it's interesting right like we have the privilege of interviewing so many special and amazing penn state alums and a lot of them have 10 15 20 30 40 50 years of experience out in the job field and really refreshing also to interview someone like yourself who's just a few years out of penn state 
but we can see you have what it takes and to rise to the top. And I know you said it involves a lot of luck and hard work, but there's no doubt that we sit here today saying, hey, we'll see John Gross on ESPN and ABC college football game of the week, maybe in a matter of years. And honestly, we're excited and there's going to be a lot of pride when you make it to, to the top and wherever that top is, we're certainly going to be cheering for you. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on and there's no doubt about it. I would not be doing what I'm doing now if it were not for Penn State and everything that, that I learned there. So thank you guys. Amazing. And we always end the podcast with, we are Penn State. Lion Legacy is a Baruda production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.